0: Welcome to the History Tricks, where any resemblance to a boring old history lesson is purely coincidental.
1: Every now and again, we pose a question to you, our listeners. We post a guaranteed content poll on the Facebook page and on the website, and you get to vote who you would like for us to cover. And now, this is the result. She's not just powerful. She's not
0: just smart. She's not just charming. She's great. She's Catherine the Great. I needed some trumpets behind it or something.
1: I might be able to put some trumpets in post. (laughs) That would be nice. (laughs) And now on with the show. Let's talk about Catherine the Great.
0: But first, let's drop her into history. In 1762, the first St. Patrick's Day parade held anywhere was in New York City. Marie Antoinette was only seven and happily running around Vienna. Anne Franklin, sister-in-law of Benjamin, becomes the first female editor and publisher of a U.S. newspaper, the Newport, Rhode Island, Mercury. Future King George IV, father of former podcast subject Princess Charlotte, was born, and former Princess Sophia, seizes power and begins a reign that will ultimately remember her as Catherine the Great.
1: Hello, and welcome to the show. A word on pronunciations. If you're German or Russian, please, please view our pronunciations with a grain of salt. Although we got on Forvo and we asked several Russian people in our employ for direction, we could be wrong. And that's just the facts. Yes, it is. We tried our best. And my
0: daughter got a lot of entertainment listening to me on Forvo. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) On April 21st, 1729, Princess Sophia Auguste Frederic von Anhalt Zerbst was born in Stettin, Prussia. Stettin is now a town in Poland. Now, some sources will give you May 2nd as her birthday, and the difference is because Russia, at the time, used a Julian calendar, and the West used a Gregorian calendar. See, even from the beginning, her life was not simple.
1: She was the first of the three children of Prince Christian Augustus of Anhalt-Zerbst and his 22 years younger wife, Princess Johanna Elizabeth of holstein gottorp So many princes and princesses all over the middle of Europe. There were all these tiny principalities, over 300 of them. Unlike England, where the oldest boy always got hold of everything, there was a lot more splitting up of assets in this part of the world. Papa had an older brother, but he wasn't out of luck. Not out of luck, but not in the money either. Papa worked as a soldier for the super powerful King Frederick of Prussia. He's kind of the main chieftain. He's the guy you got to be afraid of. If you're anywhere in the middle, he's acquisitive and he has a huge army. So it's best to be friends with him if you can. Yeah.
0: And Papa did a really good job. He wasn't the brightest or the most driven person in the world, but he was very loyal and quite disciplined. He was well thought of, and at 37, he was still unmarried.
1: He liked routine, and saving money, and being respectable, and being the commander of a little regiment during peacetime suited him just fine. He was happy to live in this garrison town of Stetten, sort of dreary and boring, but nice and predictable. He liked it. He liked
0: it, and he could be frugal there, Yes. Meanwhile.
1: Yeah. Mama, on the other hand, started out actually in similar fashion. She's the seventh of the ten children of yet another younger son of a noble family of tiny real estate. Um Who, when grand relations said they'd bring up one of the daughters, sold. Off she went mm-hmm. to a grand court.
0: Yeah. So she was raised in opulence.
1: Oh, yes. Because she had every luxury, and was surrounded by fabulousness every day for all of her formative years.
0: So why wouldn't she think that would continue for the rest of her life, especially when her parents arranged a marriage when she was 15?
1: It it was with great surprise and a sinking feeling in her heart. I bet that she learned what her relations had arranged for her, not any one of these handsome, rich, titled men that passed through the court. There's a whole bunch of German noblemen a whole bunch. (laughs) What about that guy? Or that guy? Or that guy? No, this guy. But a bachelor, 22 years older than she, who lived nowhere, saw no one... And was mostly just getting married because his family told him it was time to beget some heirs. She was not amused. I mean, she was very entitled.
0: But she didn't really have a lot to say in it.
1: And though later promotions enabled him to take his family and live in the castle, which is still there. It's called the Palace of the Pomeranian Princes. See, that's a little respectable. At the time the new bride arrived, it was a small stone house on a plain old street. I can only imagine her disappointment, like, Is this all my relatives think I'm worth? This is what they think is correct for me? Yeah. She did marry beneath her.
0: Oh, yeah, no question about it. And uh, if you were setting a fairy tale, I mean, they would have, you know, fallen in love and built up the castle, and she would have been the princess that she dreamed of being. But this isn't a fairy tale. 18 months after they were married, the first child, Sophia, was born. Mama Joanna had assumed that the perfect child she was carrying would be a perfect young boy, and when she got a girl, she was not really thrilled with it.
1: Yeah, at 17, when she endured a horrifying, horrifying labor that incidentally left her bedridden for five months afterward, the fact that this was a girl, because her only chance, you know, as a noblewoman, your only job is to produce heirs, ideally boys, That's her grasping at straws. Well, if I have a boy, since the other holder of this title has no children, maybe I'll be the mother of the heir of this kingdom. Then that's my my one (laughs) little thing of glory. She was like, really all that trouble, all that trouble for this. Hands
0: are off to the wet nurses.
1: She could just never muster up any maternal feelings for her first child at all. But when Wilhelm, the boy, was born 18 months later, it was a whole different story. Kisses and hugs and delight and worry and attention, even more so as he had difficulty walking and was often in great amounts of pain. I read that he suffered from rickets. And Mm -hmm. then, of course, there was an autopsy when he died uh, at 12. And it turns out that his hip had been dislocated since birth.
0: Something that these days they can fix right away if you know it happened, but they wouldn't have known. That had to be so painful.
1: I know. Poor boy. Mama idolized Wilhelm and pretty much yelled at or ignored Sophie all the time. It was bad enough that later, as Sophie slash Catherine the Great wrote her memoirs as an empress, how much this hurt her as a very small child.
0: Oh, it imprinted her whole life, her character, I think.
1: She was told often that she had no looks to speak of, valueless, therefore, as far as her mother was concerned. But when King Frederick of Prussia, you know, head honcho, big cheese, guy you had to be cool with, he came to visit once when Sophie was about four. And she'd been told, out of respect, what you do is you kiss the hem of his coat, out of respect. He was unexpectedly, however, wearing a fashionable cropped coat. So she was too short and she couldn't reach it. And she asked him, can't you afford a longer coat or what? And asked him if he could just bend down so she could obey our mother, who, of course, was horrified. No, I'm kidding. Like, oh, no. But King Frederick laughed and complimented her bravery and always asked about her ever after. Think how many people he meets in a year. And Sophie's already made herself memorable at the age of four. She took King Frederick in hand, of course, and in addition, she would argue fiercely with the man her father had hired to teach her religion and history. She would badger him with so many questions, and he would scream at her until she cried, and he threatened to beat hell out of her with a cane. But she'd come back for more every day, and she had this quick, almost photographic memory, and she kind of liked... I think she kind of liked riling him up, because he had some buttons, and you know, why not push him? But she had legitimate questions that he was not answering.
0: Right. And sometimes any attention is good attention, Mm -hmm. good or bad, you know, it's good. Now, her father did care for her. I think we need to slip that in. He really, you know, he adored her, but he was gone a lot. So it wasn't like she could run to daddy's office and, you know, read books in his library. But she did have a nurse, her French governess, whose name was Babette. Babette was awesome. Every girl needs a Babette. She was in charge of Sophia's education, and she really cared for her and raised her. Um, She challenged her mind and gave her emotional comfort that her mom just didn't.
1: Babette's the only person that told her she was an interesting little person. Babette and Frederick the Great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I will say, Babette, though, not so good with the daily watching. I mean, Sophia put a scissor through her eye. Yeah. That's I. what happened to David Bowie, right? He put a scissor through the pupil of his eye or some kind of thing. Oh. And that's why I, his eye looks a different color. Well, Sophia's eyes didn't change in that way. So David Bowie, sorry about that. But I think that's what happened David to David Bowie, 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 too.
0: You can't apologize to him anymore.
1: I apologize to this the... heir of David Bowie-ness. <laughs> um, and also she pulled the cabinet down on herself, and so she sneezed. Fell over and dislocated her spine bad enough to get a corset and an executioner who's the only one that knew how to relocate <laughs> dislocated limbs was called in in the dark of night so it wouldn't be embarrassing to put her spine back in order.
0: And then again, he prescribed, uh, daily saliva rubdowns from a local girl.
1: Ew. So, you know what? Cockamamie, cockamamie. She wore that corset until she was 10. Maybe that's how she had the epic waist that she had that later. Maybe
0: in her early her, training, you know. Posture <laughs> might help.
1: Well, okay, so back to Mama who was convinced that her daughter was sort of a piece of crap. So she hammered into her protocol respect. Humility. No voicing opinions to grown ups. Be abject to your betters. She was determined to stamp out any spark of pride that she saw. Now, Johanna got out as much as possible, back to the bright lights and glitter of her former home at Brunswick and also to Berlin, or innumerable cousins' houses all over Germany, and she took her daughter with her. Even at the age of eight, it was marriage on her mind. You have to get married, otherwise you're in a convent. Or you're living upstairs, somebody's abject dependent. I will tell you, in Berlin, age eight, King Frederick invited her to come sit at his table with his 25-year-old son and talk to the people at the head table. Guess who wasn't invited? Mama. Guess who took that very badly? Mama. Her eight-year-old daughter is taking precedence? Her eight-year-old daughter is attracting the attention of the high and mighty?
0: Her eight-year-old daughter, who she doesn't think very highly of at all, You know, she's going, what does she have that I don't have, you know? This is an entitled woman who thinks that she should be getting a lot handed to her.
1: They went to see a fortune teller who said when she saw Sophie that she saw three crowns above her head. And Joanna thought, well, now that person's just a fool. Dismissed it, even though (laughs) had she said anything reasonable, Joanna would have accepted it as gospel. While she
0: was doing all this on these tours, she was also learning how to behave in court. Sophia was allowed to run free and talk to people and learn how to carry herself at court as much as she could understand the politics and how things worked and the dances and how to be a person in that environment.
1: So in that respect and in that respect alone, Mama really helped her out a lot by kind of polishing her inadvertently by taking her along. Right. Now, when Sophie was 10, Joanna's brother, was made the guardian of Peter Ulrich, who's an 11-year-old boy in line to become the king of Sweden. Words cannot describe how fast Mama hauled her daughter over there to make the introduction. She and every other mother that had an eligible daughter. <laughs> it's like, <clears throat> let's go there. Peter Ulrich was weak uh, physically, though handsome, they say. Socially supremely awkward. Uh, already had a drinking problem, notably, at 11. But um, what do we care about that? You know, the word queen sounded sweet to me, said Catherine the Great in her memoirs of Sweden, yes. which is where they thought this was right. headed. Even at 10, she knew the only way out of her family life was marriage. So why not aim high? And so if Sophie knew how to make people like her. And by the end of the visit, Peter Ulrich would come into a room and seek her out to sit by her, thus making all the aunts, or if you're Susan, aunts, and uncles... <laughs> Start teasing her about being the little queen of Sweden.
0: Good. It's a good future.
1: There was another connection that Mama had that would uh, prove to be useful. Once upon a time, Elizabeth, the Empress of Russia, had been about to marry Mama's brother. He died suddenly right before their wedding. But Mama had been very diligent about keeping up a correspondence with this powerful woman. You know, sister-in-law to sister-in-law.
0: Right. But she just kept in touch with her because, hello, she was the Empress of Russia.
1: Papa inherited his kingdom of 20,000 people. I told you it was small.
0: (laughs) And that's moving up. Oh yeah. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Mama's moving on up. Sophie in her early teens has grown into something of a beauty, not classically so. Um, Dark hair, dark blue eyes, but her wit and her charm that she developed over the years that her mother had treated her as ugly and insignificant Mm -hmm. made her nearly irresistible.
0: Right. To anyone. You know, everybody seemed to like her. Anybody that she met seemed to like her. She's one of those people that, and it's unfortunate because you look at pictures of her that we have now, and you're like, eh, you know, whatever, she's okay. But you don't get to see her insides and what the power that she had over people because of her charm and her intellect. She could learn anything from anyone, so, you know.
1: She discovered quite early that one way to make yourself very attractive to people is to let them talk about themselves, act, or really be interested, and then they go away thinking, you're such a good conversationalist. (laughs) She really discovered that quite early, that all you need to do is be a good listener, sympathetic, make the right noises, ask specific questions that proved... Quote proved, my husband's good at this too, quote proved that you were listening.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, my husband does that too. Yes. And my kids do it.
1: <laughs> so one person she was irresistible to was her mother's younger brother, George. You guys, her uncle.
0: And Yeah, and there's a 10-year age difference. <laughs> He's 24 and she's 14. Um, he was totally infatuated with her. And she was basically testing out her flirting skills at the time. He did propose marriage, which would make her her mother's sister-in-law. But yeah, no. let's untangle that for a moment.
1: I, uh, well, she did write in her memoirs. I didn't avoid him. He was very good-looking. I think Papa would have said no.
0: Oh, I think so, too. I don't know about Mama, though.
1: Well, if two letters hadn't come from Mama that changed the entire world, Princess Sophie might have married Prince Yorg and been completely obscure. But the first, from Empress Elizabeth of Russia, please come to the Imperial Court of Russia. ASAP, you know why, wink wink, incognito, bring your daughter and leave your husband at home. Dang. The second, from King Frederick of Prussia himself, I have always wanted to do something good for your daughter and it might be possible to arrange a marriage for her with her cousin the Grand Duke Peter of Russia. second cousins but you know how it is. We're all cousins up in the royalty game that's We've right. all intermarried yeah we'll that's not even' if you weren't cousins yeah that's not even a
0: consideration you know oh that's fine.
1: So bye bye Uncle George there are bigger fish to fry. Papa's objections um, religion. The primary
0: one. No, Sophia and Papa were Lutheran. That comes into play in a little bit. And I think it, that was like the big thing that he was objecting to, because he knew that if this happened, that she would have to convert, you know, convert her faith. And people of deep faith like that don't think that that's what their kids should do.
1: Well, Papa was also very anxious. It was just too far. And you know Mama's going to win. You know. You know. Oh, you don't even yeah. know her. You know she's going to win. Yeah. The instability of Russia, honestly, they've had a lot of rulers kind of in a short period of time. He said to Sophia, if you get there and you don't wish to marry him, please feel free to come back. He will always have a home here. I mean. I know. Many fathers would have just been like, bye. You have to do what we say at the end. Yeah. But listen to said, your mother. But please, if you don't like him, feel free to come back. That is absolutely fine. Mama's like, major world leaders were talking about this among themselves. Get a grip, you stick in the mud. We are out. <laughs> this is the big time, people. Come on. Dressmakers were marshaled to make Mama clothes.
0: She was given a sum of money to, for the trip to provision themselves, and Johanna spent it on herself. So poor Sophia's like, alright, I'll just wear these old dresses I have because I have nothing else.
1: Well, Mama is so transparent. Sophie was just her ticket back to Glamour. Not that the Brighton question was asked her opinion or in fact told anything. She didn't even right. read the letter. Right, because
0: Johanna read the letter and she said, oh, I, Johanna, am going to be Married to <laughs> the future czar of Russia. I mean, it, that's how she was acting. As, as oh, if yeah, she yeah. was the person that was going to be benefiting from this. Not what well, she was, but not her
1: daughter. Ten days after those letters, off they went. Stopping in Berlin to see King Frederick II of Prussia. He's the son of our old king of Prussia, <laughs> just so you know. We've right. got the son in place now. With the same, same names. Same names. You know. They're all... <sighs> <It's like> Louis in <laughs> <and> France, <laughs> Frederick in Prussia. He wanted this marriage to prevent another political marriage, of course. But was delighted with Sophie when he met her again. And she again invited to sit at the king's table. But Mama was not. Mama was not introduced to people, but Sophie was. But he did get Mama to agree to be his spy at the imperial Russian court. There was a chancellor that he wanted out. And he tried to whip Mama up. Chancellor Bestersev. Didn't want Sophie to marry Peter, by the way. He was her enemy. He was the enemy of Prussia. He's my enemy. If you could see your way clear to dethrone him somehow, (laughs) gossip, information, I'd be in your debt. I could even do something for your relatives if you could pull this off for me. Yeah, Mama was so thirsty for glory and so bad at all intrigue, by the way. <laughs> She's
0: transparent as, you know, as a gold-digging wannabe, of course. <laughs> She's not going to be good at it.
1: She's a good example of how not to behave. That's Sophie looking up like, oh, this is how one yeah. does not behave.
0: One of the things that happened when they were at court with Frederick is Johanna kept Sophie away, said she was sick mm-hmm. um, several days because she didn't have anything to wear. And finally, the truth got to Frederick, and he's like, this is ridiculous, and he threw some money at him and got some dresses made for poor Sophia. He's like, seriously, get this girl to the table. We need to talk.
1: Well, and he wanted to see, like, is there something wrong here? I haven't seen her since she was 10. I yeah. don't know. But he was very relieved, and he was very happy, and um she had to say goodbye to Papa at Berlin, and they both cried, but ultimately, Sophie was excited for the adventure and for her future life. She didn't know she'd never see Papa again.
0: Or Babette. That was it. Yeah.
1: It was a very rough journey. No fools took this road in the winter, except these fools couldn't <laughs> wait to get there. It was the roughest journey over ice. Their coachman paid peasants to go out and hit the ice with sticks as hard as they could in case the ice wasn't thick enough for the carriages. I guess peasants are just disposable. It was bitterly cold to the point where Sophie had to be carried out of her carriage every night. They didn't find a lot of inns. This isn't like you could find the roadside inn everywhere. And half the time, they ended up at some peasant's house with everyone, as Joanna wrote, piled up like potatoes and turnips in the center of the room.
0: Yeah, talk about your super eight. Super eight are all in the same bed, you know, in the same sleeping space. Eight people or whatever, you know. I know. That's it. it.
1: And Joanna was like, there's pigs in here. That's right. Somebody bring me a board. And she'd set the board on the floor and lay on the board all tightly in her full clothes like you. Willing to put up with anything for such glory. They did stop in St. Petersburg where Sophie and, of course, Mama got fitted out with imperial court clothes. Of course. Trumpets announced them at meals when they went into dinner. She's being treated as the future fiancé, bowing and curtsying and saluting Everyone's been instructed to give them an imperial welcome. The empress wasn't there. She'd already moved on to Moscow, but everyone obeyed Mm -hmm. and treated them with great respect. Can you just see Johanna just like, oh, finally. I do. Yeah,
0: (laughs) I'm here. I have arrived. They were given another carriage to go. From Saint Petersburg to Moscow, and that one was a little fancier. But what they had to do is they had to lie down in it on like feather beds that were inside the carriage.
1: I think this sounds <laughs> great. It was an imperial sledge, and what is, <laughs> what that is is basically a house. On runners, mm-hmm. and the whole thing has feather beds and blankets made of sable yes. that she would put on you with the fur in. It had a stove in it, toasty, and then you would just lay there. Now, I will say, for Empress Elizabeth, she was very thoughtful because at the end of this train of sledges, there was a carriage, in case the Germans found it awkward and weird to lie down <laughs> during the journey. Uh, my husband and I were talking about this. That thing was pulled by sixteen horses. And I'm like, how fast could 16 horses pull a thing? I mean, if you even could get it up to 35 miles an hour, that is like the speed of freaking sound at this time. And they went on the Imperial Road, which is a road of ice that was well-maintained, because this is the road that Empress Elizabeth drove on. Nice and level.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: Plenty of light, plenty of accommodations. This was not a hole-in-the-wall type of situation. Grand Duke Peter formerly Peter Ulrich, none other than, you guessed it, our elementary school alcoholic from before. And I, this whole time, was wondering, Ulrich, Ulrich, where have I heard that before? And then it came to me. It came to me. Has anyone seen A Knight's Tale? Oh, I was going to say, yeah, I'm like, A Knight's Tale? Yeah, yeah. Ulrich von Lichtenstein. Lichtenstein. Yep. And you know what what kept going through my mind? He's blonde, he's pissed, (laughs) he'll meet you in the list. Lichtenstein! (laughs) I love it. That's a really good movie. So Peter met them when they arrived, and I want to give you a little background on Peter um, before we go any further. We met him when he was 11, the nearest male heir to two huge kingdoms. He was raised by servants while his father was alive and given an indifferent education. He was frequently quite ill and obsessed with soldiers and weapons and the military, in a way a modern boy might be obsessed with dinosaurs or video games and... He's of the age. He's the right age to be obsessed with soldiers and the military, you know. Yeah, but a,
0: he was in training for a role in the world stage. <laughs>
1: well, but when you're six and eight, you get obsessed yeah, with things. Yeah, sure. You like him. Well, after his father's death, when he was 11, he was given over to the care of the worst sadist I can imagine. This man named Otto Brumer, who starved him and humiliated him and scared him and made him kneel on dried peas or stand at dinner with a picture of a donkey around his neck forbidden to eat, or he would whip him randomly. The 11-year-old boy got so scared he would vomit. I have a 10-year-old boy. Mm -hmm. I can't fathom this right now at all. Uh,
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I see why you, yeah. Mm -hmm. I do too.
1: Just, um, I just want to travel back in time. This is another guy I want to tase. (laughs) Travel (laughs) back in time, tase. Get out. It also
0: gives us a little sympathy for Peter, just a little bit. You know, he didn't have a great upbringing,
1: you know. Of course it twisted him (laughs) up. He started to torture animals, and he would beat his own servants. Anyone that was low enough not to be able to retaliate, he would beat the crap out of. As a 12-year-old boy. Yeah, he's getting his, you know, anger issues. And he learned (laughs) to lie and blame others just for his own safety. And hide and to save himself from punishment. The likes of this just kill me. I mean, where was his guardian? That's Mama's brother. Remember? Where was he? Nowhere. Where was his protector? Evidently, she was in Russia. Because when Peter was almost 13, his Aunt Elizabeth staged a coup against the baby czar, Ivan VI. I mean, really a baby. Like, like, he's like an, an infant. baby. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. And when she staged a coup, um, Ivan and his mother got thrown in jail. Like a baby in jail. But, you know. The baby doesn't know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) So, the story of Elizabeth would make quite another episode, of course. But what we'll say here is, Elizabeth had been beloved in Russia since she was a child. She's a daughter of Peter the Great. So, was less of an intruder than the word coup makes it sound. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? So, I mean, I'm not saying it was awesome or whatever, but I'm just saying she wasn't a complete stranger to either the court, the ways of the courts.
0: Yeah, when when Ivan was crowned ruler, it was, okay, we need somebody else. And who is it? It's the person. She's the daughter of Peter the Great, you know, okay, and she lo- everybody likes her. So it's a logical, you know, choice to put her there.
1: And she was determined to have her sister's son, whom she'd never seen as her heir. When he was 14, Empress Elizabeth had him brought to Russia, kind of kidnapped, actually, afraid that her enemies would get hold of him and use him for their own purposes, like take over her country. She was mm-hmm. always paranoid about that. Just cause, because oh, you just yeah. did it yourself, by the yeah. way. But whatever. And so she had immediate buyer's remorse when she saw him. Three years of trying, made no improvement. in this unpromising creature, he hated Russia, he was homesick, he said, I'm German, I'm not Russian, I hate Russia. Their military outfits are too loose. Their discipline is nothing. They speak some whack language. The food sucks. Like, he just nothing. He just hated it. And refused to learn Russian. Yeah.
0: Everything. He did not act like he was going to control his country.
1: Or control himself. Yeah. (laughs) Even though he had a good and nice tutor. That runner was here, too, and up to his old tricks. Uh, Peter almost ran him through with a sword once, and no one sent him away. (laughs) Peter was weak and arrogant and a freaking mess, but Elizabeth was committed to him now, especially after having him publicly confirmed as Peter Fedorovich in the Russian Orthodox Church. He was sick all the time, and what a disappointment, and Elizabeth needed some insurance, a wife, and a baby, a baby. Uh, if
0: we can get a baby, that I can take from the beginning,
1: yes. better than his father, for yes. sure. Yes. Therefore... Enter Princess Sophia von holt What a pleasant surprise this was for Elizabeth. What a relief. The girl was intelligent, attractive, respectful, humble, knew how to behave in public, unlike Peter, and was grateful. Well, thank God for that. This we can work with. <laughs> I have to tell you, though, people were kind of sabotaging her at the beginning because it was a known fact Known fact that Empress Elizabeth forbade anyone but herself from wearing pink at court. It was a hard and fast rule to the point where somebody wore pink once and Elizabeth cut her bangs off and all the trimming off of this pink dress and told her to go away and change. Because how dare she? Someone in St. Petersburg had outfitted Sophie with a pink dress. And that's the first thing. Elizabeth saw when she saw Princess Sophie. So, ten points to Princess Sophie for overcoming that initial first impression mm-hmm. of showing up in a pink dress. Because Empress Elizabeth was such a person that thought, surely she knows about the pink dress. Well, everybody knows, Because right? everybody knows yeah. about the pink dress. Right. Somebody yeah, did know, too. and that sucks that they put her in a pink dress. Oh, yeah.
0: But the Elizabeth that Sophie saw, she was tall and blue-eyed. Um, She had blonde hair, but she colored it
1: dark. She thought it was... More, More striking. striking. With her blue eyes? I, it would be. There was a point where she made all the ladies of the court shave their own hair off and wear black wigs. <laughs> i Unlike you guys. Ay, ay, ay. Um, when she met her, she was wearing this silver
0: and gold and diamond encrusted dress. Um, she, Elizabeth never wore the same dress twice. It's reported that there was three outfit changes a day, three wardrobe changes.
1: That's a lot of garments. I think that was pretty usual, though. Three a day? And never
0: wearing them ever again. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and never giving them away. Um, unfortunately, there was a fire at one point and 4,000 of her dresses burnt. 4,000 of her dresses that she freaking carts everywhere and never wears again and won't give away? You know, sometimes yeah. you just gotta <laughs> set them all free. Okay, anyway, that's in the future. But at first... For maybe a week or two, Peter was super friendly um, and eager and would meet his future wife and her mother and take special care of them. And here's the thing, though. I think at first he thought, here's a German girl just like me. She'll be uncomfortable here, too, with this language and this place and all these people talking about us. Like, he's a grumpy employee, thinking the employee he's talking to in the break room is also going to be a super grumpy employee. Right. But in fact, that employee wants to do a good job. And won't join in the reindeer games.
0: Yeah. Well, and Sophie was one of those people. I mean, we've already talked about it. Everybody got along with her, which means that she would get along with Peter, even if it wasn't what she was thinking.
1: And nearly the first thing he said to her was, you know, I was really in love with someone, and Empress Elizabeth wouldn't let me marry her, and I'm really Mm -hmm. bummed, but I guess I have to do what she says, so I guess we're going to go ahead and get married. (laughs) <laughs> you know, Sophie on the inside is like, I can't believe your lack of tact, but on the outside she's like, thank you for your honesty. I hope we can be friends. Yeah. Well, she, what
0: Sophie did was the exact opposite of what Peter did when he got there. She threw herself into learning everything she could about her new country. As soon as she got there, she said, I'm going to become Russian. This is my, my job right now is to learn that not only the, um, the all the doctrines of the orthodox church but the language and the customs and the people and the history she's learning it all because she wants to learn it all this stuff that so peter's like yeah whatever
1: she noticed immediately yeah. that peter's dismissive ways did not sit well
0: um sophie might have driven herself just a little bit too hard because she ended up fairly quickly sick with pneumonia. Mama, again, tried to hide it. Oh no, she's she's not that weak. She's not a weakling. She's not sick. She'll be fine. But when Elizabeth found out, she was furious. She forced Johanna out of the room and oversaw nursing Sophia back to health herself. Now that her nursing involved being bled 16 times in 28 days.
1: Thanks! Well, mama! Had this horror of bleeding people because she was convinced that her brother, one of her brothers, had been bled to death during a smallpox bout. And so Mama would not let the doctors bleed her for five days. And Mama was seen as being obstructive of her daughter's recovery, even though I understand. If yeah, you seen your brother die and the guy is bleeding your brother practically yeah. to death, you would object to bleeding too. But Empress Elizabeth came in and said, no, the doctors will do what the doctors see fit. Right. And really painted Joanna as being wanting her daughter to die. Mm-hmm. But you and I understand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Not that Joanna was awesome either because no. during her daughter's illness, she basically st- Doll some fabric that came from Unholt syrups and made it into a dress for herself.
0: I think Elizabeth probably had her red. Mm. Yeah, as soon as she walked in the door, she knew her. I, she might have known it before she even got there. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, Sophie used her time well, pretending to be asleep and listening to conversations is always a good technique. And uh, when you think somebody's got a high fever and is asleep in bed, you're probably going to talk a little more freely. Oh than, yeah, in front of a alert person.
0: I just saw that on Jane the Virgin, the mom. I was binging it on Netflix. <laughs> the grandma laid in bed sick while her daughter was vowing to God that she would not do something as God would make her mother healthy again. Okay, oh. there's a there's a sidetrack. <laughs> I and watched too the much TV. The TV. I watched <laughs> Downton
1: Abbey. Yeah. What else should I say? That's good. Okay. She used her time well, pretending to be asleep and listening to conversations. As one does. Yeah. And she won extra special points for asking for her Russian Orthodox tutor instead of a Lutheran cleric when her fever broke. Here's the thing, though. Some random stranger Lutheran cleric wouldn't have been as comforting as her tutor. He's her friend. Why would you want a stranger when you could have the guy that you've been talking to Mm -hmm. for so long? I think it might have been more that, but whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. It worked. Yeah. The Russians thought, oh, my goodness. That's perfectly good. She was kind and humble to everyone. The servants building up the fire got exactly the same kind words and treatment from her that the ladies that came to visit her got. It was noted she treated every human like a human. Can we even convalesce for a month anymore? Seriously. (laughs) I know, right? Florissi, which is what this is. Yeah. Hooray for modern medicine, but now we go back to work on day two. There's a trade-off. (laughs) Alright. How does he pack? Yeah, as soon as you're not contagious again. So something had changed during her illness. She had won hearts. She had begun to be regarded as Russian. So when she returned to court on her 15th birthday, glittering in diamonds given to her by Empress Elizabeth herself, it was almost ceremonial. It reminds me of Marie Antoinette going in the tent, Mm -hmm. an Austrian, and coming out the other side, the Dauphine of France. Go in the sick room, a German princess. Come out, a grand duchess of Russia. At least a potential Grand Duchess of Russia.
0: Grand Duchess apparent. Of Russia. Of Russia. The apparent, whatever. Okay, yes.
1: Yes. So now let's leave her, newly Russian, to take a little break. And when we come back, we'll discover how becoming the official Grand Duchess worked for her. And we are back. Princess Sophie has won the hearts and minds of many, but not all, Russians with her convalescence and her kindness. Because if you can be
0: happy and pleasant while you're sick, imagine what you can do when you're well.
1: Now there's some formalities to get through. First, Sophie had to convert to the Russian Orthodox Church, which I have to tell you that every one of my sources put on a different level... From tormented weeping to complete and utter unconcern on her part, so I have no idea. Yeah, how this affects how?
0: You. Yeah, no, me neither. I do know that she did eventually write to her father and say, "Ah, that's kind of like Lutheranism. It's it's close enough. It's not a huge leap I'm making."
1: <laughs> yeah, the well. The only certain thing is Papa did not want her to convert from Lutheranism to Russian Orthodoxy, mm-hmm. but. What was the alternative? Just get back in the sledge and head back to obscurity? I don't think so. Mama did not help with her super inept spy tactics. Remember, King Frederick wanted her to help topple this advisor, Bess in Elizabeth's court, who simply opened and copied all her letters and showed them to the Empress and nearly brought the whole courtship to a halt. Among the letters... Not written by him, in fact. His correspondent wrote back these letters about how Elizabeth was fat and lazy and ridiculous and didn't do her work and was this and was that. And he looked like a diplomatic angel, in fact, through the whole thing. (laughs) So Mama nearly brought this whole courtship to a halt. Elizabeth was insane. Not necessarily just because of the fat comment, although the punishment for that will come later. After all I've done for you, Joanna, this is how you repay me by intriguing against me with a foreign power? I mean, that's bad. The ambassadors, mixed up in this whole thing, got sent home, and Joanna was allowed to stay until her daughter was married, and then she needed to get away. The character of Mama was clear. Fortunately, none of the misbehavior stuck to Sophie. But there was another incentive to get this show on the road. And I will tell you that Elizabeth, just about right now, had some courtiers tortured in public for working with the Austrian ambassador. And tongues were cut out, etc. Yeah.
0: So Joanna so, got off pretty easy. Lucky she wasn't I a mean, subject, though.
1: I yeah. Mean, that's the whole reason.
0: Yeah. And I wonder if Sophie rubbed off on her, you know, well, you are her mom.
1: Uh. Well, in a formal ceremony, Sophie was baptized into the Russian Orthodox Church,
0: and as part of that ceremony, Elizabeth gave her her new Russian name, Ekaterina Neva. No, Alexey. <laughs> Alex Ekaterina Alexey- Neva. <laughs> I'm worthless. One more time, Alexey Neva. No, Alexey Av- Evna. Alexey- And as part of the ceremony, Elizabeth gave her her new Russian name, Ekaterina
1: Neva. No. I'm going to do it. Oh, my God. I suck. (sighs) And as part of that ceremony, when Sophie was baptized into the Russian Orthodox Church, Empress Elizabeth gave her her new Russian name, Ekaterina Alexeyevna. And from here on, we'll refer to Sophie by her anglicized Russian name of Catherine, which had been the name of Empress Elizabeth's mother. And Alexeyevna was an artificial patronymic. Uh, should it have been Christianevna? Oh. Mine would have been Denisevna. Davidevna. There you go.
0: Okay. But if right. your
1: father's not in the Orthodox Church, I don't think yeah. you get to use that. Name. Right. So. The very next day, the betrothal ceremony, really as binding as a marriage at this point legally if not spiritually, a grand procession followed by a 4-hour ceremony rings that cost more than a village each. It was pomp. It was glamour. It was a 15-year-old girl at the center of everything.
0: And now she was officially the Grand Duchess of Russia. Cool. One step away from Tsarina.
1: Well, Mama just couldn't take it. My back hurt from all that standing. There's a raw spot on my hand from everyone kissing it. Cha, Mama, you have an unpleasant surprise ahead. At the end of the ceremony, Catherine was given the rank of Grand Duchess and the title of Imperial Highness, which meant not only that her daughter now outranked her, But that certain formalities now had to be observed that Mama could not get her head around. She couldn't sit at the imperial table at meals. And she refused to sit with the, quote, mere ladies of court. So there was literally a small table in an alcove where she could just sit by herself. Or sometimes with the British ambassador... Likewise irritated at where he was placed to sit. Uh, uh, so sometimes there were two angry trolls sitting in the window, yeah. and sometimes there was only the one. The timeout table over in the corner. Yeah. Catherine was <laughs> given her own courts, and her mother had to be announced. Like, would you like to see this person before she could come in? Instead no, of just coming in. I wouldn't. And rather than go through what she saw as a humiliating farce, Mama preferred just to stay away. Now, Peter and Catherine and the young people of their courts played and were frivolous, I mean, like, tag, or Blyman's Buff or tobogganing down the stairs playing. I don't mean like playing. Yeah. You know, they played tag. Yeah. They played. (laughs) They
0: played soldier, toy soldiers. He
1: was always big on those toy soldiers. There was money to burn now, at least more than she had seen ever before, and Catherine sent a lot of hers to her father to help her brother's education or on gifts for her grumpy Alec mother, who's now taken against Peter to the point that Catherine's pulled apart the between them. Strangely, it's when Joanna made her daughter cry that Peter felt closest to his fiance. That's disturbing in so many ways. <laughs> so they were friends, sort of, except for influenced by the men of his freaking crazy court. He made sure to tell her, you know, when we're married, I'm going to beat you. Because that's the only way that wives understand that they're not to have opinions. You know, you'll be my property when we're married, and I can do anything I want to you. Yeah. So, Mama was living a whole separate life, with the darker elements of the court, emerging only to complain that Catherine had nicer stuff than she did. Seriously. What are you even entitled to? (laughs) It's like a guest showing up and complaining that you get to use the bigger bathroom. Like, how embarrassing... Is she? And how embarrassing for Catherine to have such a vulgar mother. She even wrote mildly in her, you know, I am not at ease with my mother at all. I don't no. think she's at ease with anyone at all. No. Papa kept begging mamma to come home. You know, not bloody likely. Not even when her youngest daughter, back in anhalt zerps named for Empress Elizabeth, died. Did she give up her glittering lifestyle to go home? Nope. I oh. She's clinging on. She's holding on for as
0: long as she possibly can.
1: Even though she was barely tolerated now. Barely tolerated. People would give her the cut direct all the time, which means you fully meet somebody's eye and then look away as if they were invisible. Mm-hmm.
0: That's ghosting, I believe it's called now, nowadays. Oh, it's called the kids. Yeah, they pretend they're not there. When you pretend somebody doesn't exist.
1: That's worse than actually being... uh overt don't you think it's worse than actually insulting them to pretend somebody doesn't exist Mm -hmm. so bad yeah well that's why the cut direct was famously effective yes yes well um peter got measles and almost died see it's possible then he got smallpox and really almost died elizabeth nursed him for six weeks in great danger for herself because smallpox is scarring and elizabeth was a very vain woman And get this, courtiers who had been Catherine's friends, or so she thought, started to distance themselves from her. So if Peter died, who was Catherine? That would be... Nobody.
0: Right. He was sent away for a very long time. And when he did return, he was barely recognizable. He was very scrawny. His head was shaved. He wore an ugly wig that didn't help matters. And his face was deeply pocked. He felt that she thought he would be hideous. And Catherine's response to seeing him kind of said, yeah, I think you're kind of gross.
1: Well, smallpox has done its dastardly work and her totally natural but very unwise recoil. For
0: someone who's so in charge of how she relates to people, it kind of surprised me. That it must have been how bad it was. How shocking to see him.
1: Well, smallpox made the scars on the outside, Mm -hmm. and Catherine's reaction made the scars on the inside. Oh, good. Peter was never the same. I mean, really. Forget friendship, forget society. Peter withdrew to his rooms, where he dressed his servants up in military costumes and drilled them for hours. (laughs) If there had been video games, I assure you he would have played Call of Duty for 24 hours a day. Elizabeth was blowing hot and gold. One day she's showering Catherine with jewels and admiration. The next, taking her down in front of everyone for spending money. I just don't know if Mama had been good training for this or what, but Catherine had the best strategy. Act humble, don't fight back, even with Peter, who like card carrying crazy at this point, she would even stand there with a with a rifle in her dress at the door, guarding a door because he wanted her to, Peter wanted her to, mm-hmm. to be part of his reindeer games. Yeah. And so she would stand there, and she later said that she knew the Prussian rifle drill better than anyone on the parade <laughs> grounds, because she had to do it so often So the privacy in her
0: rooms. <laughs> the marriage plans went on. There were balls and tours through Russia, which actually made Catherine even more savvy and more... In love, actually, with her country, her newfound country, her adopted country.
1: There's a story that I had to tell you about one of those tours through Russia that I think is so (laughs) appalling and shocking to me. They were in a house, a country house of a noble lord, and that had been built in the cold of winter. And the foundation was these giant four limestone blocks. This is a house! This is not like a log cabin one Mm -hmm. erects in the woods. Right. Overnight, the spring thaw had come, and all four of those limestone blocks started sliding on the mud, in opposite directions. So here's Catherine and her lady-in-waiting on the top floor. The fireplace crashes in and kills everyone in the kitchen. Servants. Who else is in the kitchen? The house starts pulling itself apart around them, and they have to run out of the house as it fell apart behind them. There's one little vignette of traveling <laughs> through the country. And the guy was so embarrassed, he kept saying he was going to shoot himself. Well, And I'm just it- like, well. Yes, it doesn't look bad. <laughs> no, it doesn't. How do you come, everyone with the servants is okay. Yeah. How do
0: you come back from that? I almost killed the future Empress of Russia. Wow.
1: So that's bad. <laughs> and then it always amazes me about the royal progresses. And Elizabeth I of England was the same way. The court descended like locusts, and all the supplies from miles around were exhausted, <laughs> and then they would just move on. Yeah. Just like, please go a different way. <laughs> please. <laughs> Me hide all my pigs <laughs> Well, so anyway, she loved her new country. Everything she saw: vast pine forests, fields of green. She fell more and more in love with the people of the country. Mm-hmm. I think she's gonna be good. I think she's gonna be good. I think you think so. I think she's gonna be good. Maybe she'll be great. Oh, <laughs> so meanwhile, and despite the doctors flat out telling Empress Elizabeth that Peter was in no way ready to father a child, mm, no puberty at 17, 18, that seems surprising to me. And I can't help thinking that's unusual, but who's to say Empress Elizabeth set out planning for the grandest possible wedding ceremony ever given. The Romanov dynasty hadn't had this sort of thing before. Peter the Great married his peasant wife in secret, for example. Um, his widow took over afterward. The next guy died unmarried. The next lady was a widow. And then you have the baby. There's been no royal wedding. No, no and
0: Elizabeth didn't have one either. No. She thought she was going to, and then death.
1: <laughs> I know. Unfortunate. So this was a huge deal. A year ahead of time, nobles were told to have certain carriages made in a certain way with six matched horses to pull them. Civil servants were given a year's advance on their salary so they could get their clothes ready.
0: A year's advance. That's right. Everybody has to look good.
1: Elizabeth spent so much time planning this wedding that she pretty much neglected affairs of state. In fact, her main advisor lamented that he had to wait months for her signature on things because she just did not care. She actually rode away to Versailles. The son of Louis the Fifteenth had just gotten married, and she wanted to hear all about the details of that because she wanted similar.
0: Because there was no the not. I mean, she couldn't go online and see, make a Pinterest board.
1: No, she could not.
0: <laughs> no, she could not. <laughs> So on August 21st, 1745, 16-year-old Catherine and 17-year-old Peter did get married. Her crown was a silver brocade with silver roses and her tiny 17-inch waist, but she could barely walk because her dress was so heavy. Peter had a suit made out of the same fabric, so they matched. He was also covered in diamonds and jewels. The crown that Catherine wore was kind of heavy, and by... Not too far in, she started to get a headache, but this is her wedding. She has to keep her crown on. She's going to the banquet, and she has this bad headache. I mean, this should be a really fun day, but it's a very long day, a very exhausting day. I mean, just walking down the hall in this dress is exhausting. It's so heavy.
1: And you know what's really kind of sad about this day? Papa was purposely not invited. Mm -hmm. I mean, purposely disinvited. And I don't know why. He's perfectly respectable. Unlike Joanna, she's there. How much worse could he be?
0: Maybe they didn't believe that he was. They didn't know him. Uh, but, you maybe. know, I mean, he was a minor prince of a minor principality.
1: And he could have been really embarrassing. Yeah, if his
0: wife was like this, how mu- what's the husband like?
1: Oh, I don't know. It makes me feel sad. Well, lucky, or should I say, quote, lucky for Catherine, uh, Elizabeth was impatient to get the new husband and wife in the bed. <clears throat> and publicly cut off the dancing to, say, 30 minutes, an hour, by which time the young bride uh, was left in her new marital bed to await her new husband, where she waited and waited and waited. Peter eventually stumbled
0: in, hours later, drunk, and he just basically crashed on the bed. Nada,
1: should I say, or, in Russian, (laughs) (laughs) nishto. (laughs) <laughs> that means nothing. Nothing there, There's
0: nothing. a lot of niche, though.
1: Nothing from him for years. Nothing from him to her, maybe, ever. But that's... We'll get into that. Shades of Marie Antoinette again. Though Marie Antoinette only made it to seven years. Amazingly, it was thought that Peter suffered from phimosis, the very same condition then Marie Antoinette's husband suffered from, which I found to be an intolerable coincidence. I what are the chances, you'd think? Well, until I realized, I, I was doing some research, and I realized it's more common than I thought. Like, 10% of boy babies are born with some degree of it, and most grow out of it. Right. But 1% of those boys don't grow out of it. But Catherine's only job, as far as Elizabeth was concerned, was to produce an heir. Why else? Madam, do you exist on this planet
0: Earth? And she knew that that was her only job. She knew that at any point, they could send her off to an entry. Her position wasn't secure until she produced that male
1: child. As time went on, and matters did not improve... And Empress Elizabeth tried to force them together. Like, I guess when you put two polar bears in an enclosure, you know, they have <laughs> <enough> babies. <laughs> which is what happened here, which is not very successful.
0: Now, Elizabeth put someone in charge whose job it was to kind of lock them in their bedroom. And this woman had a lot of children. Elizabeth thought that she could impart some wisdom regarding fertility on the couple.
1: Like it would wear off <laughs> on her or something. Right. <laughs> but I have to say, Madame Choklikoff is an abuser. As far as I'm concerned, at the very least, she's a jailer and a spy. Catherine was not allowed to write to anyone at all. Her favorite ladies were sent away and exiled. Sent away. And then exiled. Exiled. And then any relative was also exiled. I mean, this is not a joke. Anyone that came close to Catherine's orbit was in serious (laughs) danger. Everyone else was not allowed to speak to her. And what was Peter doing at this time? He's still playing with damn toy soldiers. Yeah, here she is sleeping in this grand red velvet bed with a man who spends his night playing toy soldiers on the covers and getting insanely mad at her if she moves and knocks over his, you know, his line, <laughs> his <laughs> troops. You can't do he that. He hid the soldiers all in the bed to hide them from Madame Choklikov. He's hiding toy soldiers. He's a- he's bootlegged them in yeah. so that he can still play with his soldiers. He's also putting rats
0: on trial, finding them guilty, and then hanging or beheading them. That's how he plays. I don't think yeah. she was
1: shocked she as shocked as you or I. because she's like, "What is this doing here?" Because I was reading in her memoir. She's <laughs> like, "What is this doing here?" And he said he committed the crime of climbing a parapet and <laughs> eating whatever the soldiers or whatever. And she's like, "Well then, yeah, you it's, are an agent." It's, it's, but what she said was. Okay, well, it seems like he deserved it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to say? That's a fair sentence. Sure. This guy really should rule Russia, I think.
1: Well, he had to no. win a card so he would sulk for days. So imagine if he didn't win in a war, how many days he would sulk. He kept a pack of dogs <laughs> in their room behind a fence and let them poop everywhere, which smelled super awesome. He would describe the ladies of their court, like, in admiring fashion to her, as if, as if he was doing anything, number one. Yeah. And he was just trying to torture her with like, see, the reason that we're not doing anything is because I'm spending all my energy elsewhere doing things, which he so was not. He's just being a jerk. <laughs> and a little tiny, whiny baby. And an idiot, because she's gorgeous, and she, you know, she's pleasant, and She's his wife, and this is his duty. My gosh. So what could she do, though? Her life was no. tied to this person, embarrassing and alarming as he was. She took refuge in books, uh, <laughs> everything she could get her hands on in almost every language she knew. Right. French books were her especial love, and her ladies, who could not really speak to her, would often slip a book into her pocket, which I thought was good. They'd give her books because yeah. that's all you they You think
0: about how great a 30-day convalescence would be. How great would it be to be locked in a room with books?
1: But not with that guy. I I know.
0: (laughs) Without the dead rats and the toy soldiers. (laughs) And the dog poop. And
1: the dog poop, yeah, no kidding. So she endeavored to be her husband's friend, as crazy and mean as he was. And everyone knew she was smarter and kinder and more level-headed than her husband Empress Elizabeth was very, very sick, for they knew, because people were talking despite the talking rule. People were passing her notes all the time, giving her books. They knew she was sick, but couldn't ask because they weren't supposed to know. Right. And they were wondering if they should make some plans, because the second Elizabeth died, at this point, Catherine thought people would come for Peter and kill him. Yeah. And so she made plans for them to climb out the window and run away, if that should come to it. But yeah. Elizabeth recovered.
0: Well, she, Elizabeth had spent her whole life living hard. So it's going to catch up to her sooner rather than later.
1: Also, she never slept at night because she was afraid that somebody would come perform a coup while she slept. Which seemed to be a little <laughs> unfounded because she was in such a better place than the person she stole the crown from. Yeah. But I guess, you know, guilty. Who was still
0: in prison, infant Ivan, and she'd go check on him. The rule was if he tries to escape, kill him. If anybody comes to get him, kill him. That was the
1: rule. That was the order. Although, end. I think he might have been, probably not at this point, since he's been in jail his whole life. But I think he might have been a better replacement than Peter. Yeah. <laughs> if she could just have cultivated him instead. Yeah. Maybe. It's too late now.
0: Prison probably would totally mess Ivan up.
1: So enter Sergei Soltikov, a young nobleman that was placed in the household of Peter by Empress Elizabeth. And he quickly set to work using his famous wiles on Catherine. He reminds me of Valmont from Liaison Dangerous, by the way. It was like a game. Mm -hmm. Predatory and handsome. And it took him the better part of a year, but he eventually persuaded Catherine to begin an affair with him.
0: Also, while he was having other affairs with her ladies-in-waiting. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He was keeping in practice, getting ready.
1: Well, see, the thing is, Catherine sort of fell in love with him, but he viewed it as a challenge. That's more Valmont for you. Yeah, that's a, it. yeah, that's a good parallel. Good job. Uh, in the movie with Catherine Zeta-Jones, it has Empress Elizabeth basically hiring him flat out to do this to get a baby by uh-huh. hook or by crook. Most actual sources, books, and historians say he was just an independent contractor. The Chokolikoffs remember the jailers who were getting in trouble for not moving this consummation along. They were literally getting yelled at for this. They hired a widow to, quote, instruct Peter in the ways of love.
0: So they're going to hire somebody to sleep with him. Sexual education.
1: (laughs) Well, well, (laughs) you know, that's one way. Yeah. So either Peter had outgrown his phimosis, which is very common, or more dramatically, also shown in the movie.
0: Yeah. um, (laughs) Saltikov would, according to this story, which is kind of fun to think that this is how it happened, he got Peter drunk one night and took him to the doctor and had the procedure
1: done. The reason being, in that fable, that Saltikov was a little nervous about sleeping with a woman whose husband was known not to be able to perform the act because if there was a baby, there might be repercussions.
0: Right. Peter and Catherine needed to at least give the impression that they could have had their happy fun time.
1: Happy fun time. <laughs> so there's Peter sorted, according to the jailers. And now for Catherine, Madame Choklikov pulled Catherine aside and said, you know, that's saltykov He's very handsome. And if, if he were to visit you, you know, I won't put any difficulties in your way, if you know what I mean. Too late ma'am, but thanks. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Too late. So here's Peter, all gleeful, like, hee hee, we're tricking everyone! He's not mad that someone else is sleeping with his wife. He's so happy that they're getting one over and they're jailers. He's like, so delirious with happiness. And Saltikov is like, okay. <laughs> like, I guess that's how you feel. That's right. Catherine suffered a miscarriage at about five months. Now, whose child was it? Did Peter and Catherine ever consummate the marriage? Catherine says no.
0: Right. Some sources did say, yes, it was his, but some, mm-mm,
1: no. Let's just put it this way. Saltikoff got the credit. I think Catherine thought it was Saltikoff's baby. Nobody was under any illusions, I guess, should I say. But to advance her lover's career, Saltikoff said, now get this, another abusing behavior. If you love me, you'll do something for me. See, you got to stop that. If you love me, you'll write to your big enemy, Besterchev the guy, Her mother wanted to oust, who had been against the marriage, who had tried to work against her for so long... You'll write to that guy, your biggest enemy, and try to advance my career with that guy. He's got the keys so that I can move up. I'm doing
0: mm-hmm. so much for you, Catherine. So let, why don't you do just a little bit for me?
1: Well, he was against Peter being the heir in the first place, yeah. this guy. He uh, made her life so difficult as it was. It was his doing that got them basically jailed with those horrible people in the first place. Mm-hmm. This is not the man that she feels warm and fuzzy toward. But to advance Saltikov's career, she did it. And to her complete surprise, chef was completely on board with mending fences. She couldn't believe it. She got a warm note back. Well, here's why. Elizabeth had a new pro-French boyfriend. It had great influence, as boyfriends do. Peter, husband of Catherine, was so into Prussia and worshipped at the feet of Frederick, etc. And who was thinking of Russia? Who? That would be Catherine. It's the only person he think of. Yeah. Like, who is going to be trusted to think about our country's best interests? Oh, my God, everyone's going crazy around here. <laughs> he didn't really have another option. Her enemy was now her, you know, I would not say friend at all, but at least he was on her side. Okay, that was a mended fence. Don't you think that was good? Yeah, good job. Diplomacy. Catherine had another early miscarriage, but then she got pregnant for a third time. And as she got closer to term, she was transported to... Very slowly, back to St. Petersburg. Catherine
0: did give birth to a son, which Elizabeth grabbed and named and took away from Catherine, just leaving her there on the bed where she had given birth.
1: The second he was free of his mother, that umbilical cord was cut. Elizabeth had him wrapped up and left the room with everyone following her out. They just left her, bloody and sweaty and sick, on a mattress on the floor for. Hours until somebody came back to help her.
0: And Peter, hello, where's he? He popped in and said, yeah, thanks, great, thanks for the sun, and popped out and went back to the party. Boom, boom. You know, she's just laying there in the mess.
1: And it's not the worst pain, though. I have to tell you, (laughs) Saltikov was sent away to announce the birth in Europe, where everyone knew the deal, and he was celebrated as some kind of (laughs) rogue hero, and he (laughs) reaped the benefits, like, you know, some kind of sudden rock star. There were groupies. All eager to, to deal with that situation. The father of the new heir of Russia. Woo! Woo! And Catherine was completely shut out of her son Paul's life. She didn't even see him until a week after he was born. She had no part in his upbringing. She was only the vessel. I mean, after all, you provided the baby to Russia. This is, yeah. this baby belongs to the country. Elizabeth just took him.
0: And Elizabeth never had a baby, so this was the baby. This was her baby. Thank you, Catherine, for giving birth. To my son, She did toss some reward money at Catherine, and then when Peter heard that she had gotten paid, he put his hand out, too. So Catherine had to give back some of the money so Peter could get paid for his involvement in the birth of this child. <laughs>
1: Which was less than zero. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was interesting. I did. I, I hated that story. Yeah, no, I hated it. Uh prince Elizabeth gave her a hundred thousand rubles, and then the very next day sent a messenger like, "Actually, I need that back, so I've got to pay another creditor." Yeah. But I promise I'll give it back to you. The other creditor in question was Peter.
0: Yeah. Yes. Growth. You Gross. know, and it, the thing about this story is, there's so many things that we're skipping over. I mean, we're just you know, there's so much more to her life. We can't cover, uh, obviously, in one episode, but there's so much cool stuff, like stories like that.
1: She found out through the grapevine that Sergei Seltikov, who she thought she was in love with, had been having affairs the whole time, had never really loved her, was basically just doing a piece of work for somebody or nobody or himself. We don't know. He's gone. The heartbreak was 360 degrees, just every part of her yeah, she, she was
0: alone. She felt completely unloved, unwanted. Uh She didn't really, she was weak. She had just given birth. She was weak emotionally, weak physically. I mean, that's a low point in her life.
1: Here's a metaphor for you. After six weeks, when the mother was deemed ready to receive the congratulations of the courtiers. Oh, there was a hubbub. There was a hubbub in a room. Things were brought in. They were staged. There was the finest rugs. There were velvet curtains. There was the greatest of gilt furniture. Uh, everything was spruced up. Everything was turned into the grandest imperial room that could ever be. Around her, <laughs> she received the courtiers, mother of the air, epic, The second everyone left, a parade of servants came to take every stitch of furniture, every shred of velvet, every golden candlestick, even the bed got taken away. And there's Catherine standing alone in an empty room, as neglected and alone as she had ever been in her entire life. There's a metaphor for you. And that brings us not to the end of the road, certainly, but to a crossroads. How was Catherine going to move forward with the rest of her life? Everyone around her was in for a big surprise. So stay tuned for part two to find out how our Catherine became the great. Thanks for listening. Bye. We'd love for you to follow us all over the world of social media, especially Pinterest, where we have a board for each and every episode with plenty of rabbit holes to fall down. Don't forget Audible. If you follow the link on the right side of our website, thehistorychicks.com, you can download a book for free when you try out their service, whatever book they have out of the over 150,000 that you like. If you liked what you heard today, please tell a few friends or leave a review for us on iTunes. And we'll see you soon for part two.
2: Good